Fantastic. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, it's Brad Spillane, Spillo here, and uh, it's the Men's Mental Health Show. Uh, and of course, I'm joined each week by my co-host and good mate, psychotherapist, Bodie Marzen. Uh, good morning, Bodster. How are you, mate? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here, um, enjoying the sunshine. You know, it's just getting that blast of um, beautiful sun energy. I'm sitting with the wife um, this morning, you know, talking about various things and Survivor and, yeah. um, you know, Mark winning and, um, you know, um, uh, relaxing in each other's company, enjoying each other. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, it's, it's, yeah. How good's the weather? We went for a walk yesterday, didn't we? It was terrific we up there. We did. Fortunately, we saw the helicopters that were uh, hovering above just up the road from here where, sadly, we lost uh, a couple of uh, tourists uh, from the UK. Uh, just dev- total devastation for a family that, under that landslide. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but that neck of the woods that I'm, I'm living in, uh, I tell you what's what lovely, isn't it? Is that you're always reminded by other people's um, praise and um, expression of delight at this landscape that we're in. Mm. Um, and then I go, yeah, of course, that's right, because I've got used to it. Yeah. So I, I need that feedback to remind me of um, how fortunate I am to yeah. be in the space. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and the show is, of course, uh, brought to you by Dale Hunt and the Mounties Group, the Mounties Board. Thanks so much. Noel Pope from uh, the post office down there at Lawson. And my good mate, Craig Baby Beachy, uh, from uh, All Manufacturing Personnel um, Recruitment and Labour Hire Company. We're just going to scoot off to uh, a song. And whilst we're doing that, I'm going to make a call and get our guest on today. Uh, very excited about this uh, uh, former uh, the Sydney enforcer, but uh, he's going to talk to us about how he's changed his ways. He's, uh, been on a lot of uh, uh, documentaries and TV shows such as uh, Blue Murder, um, uh, Graham Abbo Henry. Um, but uh, we'll just go to a quick break and we're just going to cut that short, Cream Crossroads, um, because I have our guest today who's, uh, who's on air with us right now. I'll introduce him in just a moment, but I want to say a big thanks to the People's Champion, Glenn Collis, who, uh, who kindly gave me Graham's number and Graham um, Abbo Henry. Uh, has a book out at the moment. Uh, it's called Last Man Standing. We'll talk a little bit about the book uh, and how you can get to uh, yourselves a copy. Uh, we might even do a giveaway here. The Men's Mental Health Show will buy a book off Graham and uh, see if we can give one away to someone, some lucky listener. Uh, but just want to say, uh, uh, firstly, uh, uh, a big good morning to, to you, Graham. You there, mate? Yes, mate, I am. Hey, thanks so much for coming on and joining us. And, and I'm also here with my co-host and good mate, psychotherapist, uh, Bodie. Bodie, to say good day to Graham. Hi, Graham. Hey, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. You too. Mate, I, you know, I went on Google, Graham, and I saw your name on Google. And it's, 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 uh, it's fantastic. It says, a retired gangster. Mate, first of all, can you tell us, tell us uh, for those that don't know of you, I know you've been on a couple of shows or, or you've been uh, marked on a couple of shows like uh, Blue Murder and, and portrayed by, uh, played by Peter Phelps. Um, and and that was sort of in the Roger for those that don't know the Roger Rogerson era and uh, and whatnot. But uh, where, where did where did Graham Henry grow up? Uh, Graham Henry grew up, uh, mate. I was uh, actually born at Eastwood in a private hospital there. Uh, uh, was hidden away because I was. Uh, they didn't know how dark I was going to be. Uh, my mother had had an affair, and uh, with an indigenous fellow and. Uh, so they kept me away in a little private place, but uh, I actually grew up around Sylvania yeah. uh, when it was all bush, and uh, from there we we moved around a hell of a lot, mate. We went from Sylvania 
to uh, Dolls Point where my father, the alleged father, owned a shop. Yeah. And uh, Milk Bar, where all the local louts used to hang around. Yeah. And uh, then we went from there to Cronulla and Cronulla to Epping. And uh, that's where I spent most of my teenage years right. in the Epping area. Right, right. And, and what about schooling? Did you leave school early, Graham? What was. Uh... Yeah, mate, I left at uh, 14. I had to get an exemption to leave school. And, right. uh, and uh, I started off as a uh, wall and floor tiler. Right. And uh, until I worked out the, that the uh, Italian I was working for was calling me dirty dog in Italian all the time. And uh, oh, so I stole his car and rode all over his car, the same words he was calling me. Right. And so that, that, that's where, I guess, was, was where things sort of kicked off for you when you got involved in the life of crime, st stealing cars, I guess, it w w would have been one of the first things you sort of got yourself mixed up in. Well, I got into all sorts of things, mate. I've been, you know, I, I sort of been pinching things since I was a kid. Since yeah. I was a kid, so mm. that I can recall. But mm. I, um, you know, uh, and it was probably just because of the household that I lived in. Uh, my father was a, uh, you know, my stepfather, I'll call him, was right. an alleged. Uh, uh, came from a, um, from the Second World War. Was wounded over there. Mm. Uh, came back full of uh, painkillers. Fanabab, uh, his brother was castrated by the Japs in uh, Changi Prison oh, with a sword. Uh, so you know, look, you know, they had pretty tough upbringings, and mm. they and they had their own uh, agendas in life, mate, and things mm. that baggage that they carried with them. And unfortunately, it uh, ran, uh, flowed over into my life, and uh, I became a victim of uh, you know his drunken behaviour, and so did my mother severely. So. Mm. Uh, mm. That that made me an angry kid, I guess, and mm. and I, uh, you know, I was fist fighting my father from the age of thirteen, trying to protect my mother. So, mm. and she only had one leg. She lost that when she was ten by a cut on an oyster. Well, they didn't have penicillin oh, really? back and, in those days. So, yeah. yeah right. so. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Uh, Bodie, this is uh, uh, Graham. Bodie's got uh, wants to ask you a couple of things. It's yeah, mate. Uh, um. I was, I was kind of interested in school. Like, were you good at something at school, or was it just um, a, a, a disaster for you from the very beginning? I can't quite hear you there, mate. I, I uh, might have to go off. Uh, I'm on loudspeaker, so I might have to go off that to hear you correctly, mate. I, I think. Okay. Um, Can you just say that again? Yeah, the question was, um, what happened at school? Like, were you good at anything in school, or was it just a whole disaster for you? Yeah, I was pretty you? good in school, actually, in, uh, in, in high school. Uh, I used to come, you know, first and second in the yearly exams and the half-yearly exams. I wow. Look, I was pretty switched on kid, really, and yeah. shouldn't have been in the class as I was. But I, you know, uh, and I didn't even study. I didn't go home and study like the rest of the kids mm -hmm. did. I don't think too many in my class did. But, but um, you know, uh, I, I just, um, I, I never wanted to be there, mate. I just wanted to get out and grow up and, and get out into the world and, and, and earn a dollar, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, listening to your voice, I can hear that you've, you know, got a very good vocab and, um, you know, you, um, in fact, you've got a lovely voice. And, um, you, you, the, I can hardly hear you, mate. Um, what's wrong? I don't know what's, why I can't hear him too well. Uh, I was saying you've got a, lo a lovely voice and I can hear you've got a very good vocab. So clearly, um, you, um, you know, a very intelligent man. Um, and... 
um, I was kind of interested as to why you feel, um, you know, was it to do with the stepdad um, that you, know, you, you took flight from school because you wanted to get out of, of his influence? Yeah, I, I couldn't quite pick that up, mate. Honestly, uh, mm. I can hardly hear you at all, well, buddy. I, I, I'm sorry about that. I apologise. Well, what I'll do is I'll get Beatty to flick me some of the questions and I'll, and I'll fire the match up. Mate, yeah. so when, I guess, you sort of got away and you're moving now up into your, your early or late years of your teen, early 20s, um, yeah. did you, you you sort of get involved with a group of blokes where, you, I mean, I remember from talking to you when we went on the harbour cruise, um, you're talking about the, the drinking hole where you, you used to hang out each, you know, day after whatever and uh, yeah. get together about things. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, down, down around the Epping Hotel, I used to get around with a group of blokes and uh you know like look from from the age of about you know i tried to work i did uh, what i could but during my teenage years i uh you know uh as i say i was a pretty angry kid i was uh had this boiling cauldron inside me all the time and um and uh i'd always lash out you know so uh, i was in constant fist fights all the time um you know i, I had a reputation as a a uh, street fighter and all that sort of stuff. I, you know, even the, the hotel that I went to, I mean, that was like a bloodhouse in my day, so it was a bit of a, um, you know, they didn't have carpet on the floor and poofy lounges all around the place. <laughs> like they, they got, uh, you know, where they were concrete floors and they used to just ho- hose out what you'd call the DNA today. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, mate, you know, I, I grew up all, all around that area. I run around with about 10 blokes out of about 50 of us that hung around in a group we were called the Epping Apprentices. We are all Sharpies. Right. And right. I, um, and uh, we used to dress very smartly, you know, three-quarter mm. coats, slip-on shoes, no socks, and you know, <laughs> now that's a trend. But, um, you know, so I run around with about 10 of those blokes out of, out of that group that yeah. we did crimes with. Yeah. You know, I was doing armed robberies from the age of 15, mate, so... Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, ne- I never got pinched for any of these things that I did. Uh, the main things that I got into trouble for were, was was the fistfights I got into. Yeah. You know, if I, yeah. if I heard someone mm. break their jaw or their eardrum or, mm. you know... Look, mm. you know, When I look back, it was, just, you know, it was just the way it was, mate. It, it, it was an error, and mm. that was a... Um, mm. You know, and you stood up. I, I mean, yeah. I didn't go around picking fights. No. You know, I you know I waited for the fights to come my way, or someone jumped onto one of my mates, and mm. I'd jump in mm. and, and rip into them. You know, but mm. um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I run around and say I was a bully. I actually hated bullies, mm. and they were probably half the blokes that I was belting. So. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's right. I, maybe telling me stories, as I said on the Harbour Cruise about that, and and when you got up and spoke, it's it's fantastic. So a lot of the the book. Tell us a bit about the book and and why you thought or uh, to come to writing this book and um, you know is it to to share uh, the legacy of I guess you know what you've done but uh, also understand you know the doings as as a man and and how you've changed and how hard that must be. So t- talk yeah. to us a bit about the book. The book's called Last Man Standing. That's right. Yeah. Well, well, the first book I wrote was called A Treacherous Life. I wrote that in uh, in about. You know, I wrote it while I was in prison, actually, in about 1996. Right. And I got out in 97, and I'd served six years for the wounding of a policeman. Right. And um, a police prosecutor he was. 
And wow. uh, he was part of the organised crime circle that I ran in at the yeah. time. Yeah. And uh, I I went to prison over him, but, but I wrote the book because my partner in crime, who was the notorious Nettie Smith, yeah. uh, wrote a book, and uh, in that book he told that many porkies, mm. that mm. many liars, and... Uh, and so I, I virtually responded by writing my own right, uh, right. version, and that's really what started it. Yeah. And yeah. then since he's passed and everyone that I knocked around with in my gang and uh, the gang that I ran with after Ned Smith, um, you know, I was in organised crime for 35 years, mate, from wow. 1975 till 2010. Yeah, wow. And, wow. Uh, and I, uh, I gave it away when my old partner, uh, who was the last one was called Stan the Man Smith, a different Smith altogether than right. Nettie Smith. Right. And uh, he was uh, quite renowned for uh, probably killing possibly 15 to 25 people. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. And, the, and um, the, uh, these people that he's, he's, you know, allegedly knocked off uh, are also, you know, from, you know, crime. They're criminals. Oh, yeah, yeah. They these weren't normal innocent people. Innocent people. Worked yeah. and, you know, went to work every day. They... These were gangsters that played by the rules and knew mm. the rules, and and if they broke them, I mean, we lived in a different world, mate. Uh, you know, our life was completely mm. different than the one that you walk around in every day. You know, yeah, um, and we lived by certain codes and rules, and if you broke those rules, you paid the penalty. Yeah, yeah. And uh, wow. you know, and and even in saying that, mm. I mean, I've had twenty attempts on me life, all my life, mm. that I've. I've been shot in the head. Mm. I've been, you know, my father tried to kill me with a garden mattock when I was uh, 15. Mm. And uh, I've been shot in the head by the police. I've been shot in the leg by uh, hitmen from Melbourne, uh, Christopher Dale Flannery. Wow. Uh, you know, yeah. you know yeah. I've had a lot, lot of things happen in my life, but that didn't mean that all those times someone was uh, shooting at me. I was foiling the plant the plots you know yeah so if they were waiting for me in a certain spot i, I woke up to it and i'd go another way but, uh, and i'd stuff it up on them so when someone's trying to knock you off all the time in that world mm. Mm. Uh, they have to do their homework and their mm. homework is that they're going to sniff around you and i always had this incredible awareness it's like a spiritual awareness within me right. that me mother taught me about when i was a kid yeah and i've carried it with me all my life and it's probably what's mm. kept me alive all my life mate i've yeah. had this incredible awareness and i i have dreams i have things that you know i'm even if i go to a clairvoyant they say you're what they call a seer a, a seer you know, i yeah. a, a seer right i see things before they take place right you know? yeah right yeah yeah so and uh, i've always i've always been that way and uh yeah. Yeah. You know, and it saved me life uh, well, on, on all those occasions. Well, and it, and it's quite fitting that the, the book's named "Last Man Standing." When you look at you know, uh, that's right, you know, mate. Ne Nettie and and I guess your mate or, or your associate at times, uh, Roger Rogerson, who's uh, <laughs> who's perhaps you know the most well-known uh, you know dirty copper going. Yeah, around. he was certainly notorious in his day, and uh, for a little bloke, pretty, <laughs> pretty feared. Yeah, pretty feared by yeah. by crooks. I mean. I didn't fear him at all, but, no. but but I, but you know, I got on pretty well with him. Yeah. But in saying that, uh, you know, Roger was one of the type of blokes that, you know, he had a reputation, oh, he'd never tell on you and all that. Well, mm. that wasn't true, you know. He used mm. to 
he, he worked for the cops, against the cops, and yeah. he worked for the crooks and against the crooks. Right. So, you know, uh, he gave plenty of information over the years that uh, got him into, uh, got him out of trouble and, and saved him getting a bigger sentence when he was pinched on perjury and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, he gave up other police for murders, directed them to where the bodies were. Um, wow. You know. You know, mm. and these were policemen he was locked up in jail with, mind you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and he was also involved in, you know, uh, you know, a conspiracy of shooting Michael, Detective Michael Dury. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. You know, and I, and I know that because I was involved in in the discussions. Mm. So, mm. you know, I was part of all of that stuff. Well, you know, and I was the one who, who was against it all. I yeah. said, well. You know, is get involved in this sort of stuff. I didn't have this discussion with, with uh, Roger, but I had it with Nettie Smith, yeah. who was the man accused of killing him, yeah. uh, trying to kill him. Yeah. And it actually wasn't him. It was a bloke called Laurie Prendergast who worked with Christopher Dale Flannery and they worked together. Right. And sometimes he would do a job and then he'd watch his back. Right. So all these rumours that Roger Rogerson drove in there in a police car that they've come up with, all this stuff, they come up with all this imaginary stuff on underbellies and yeah, yeah, all these silly do. stories that they've tough nuts and all that they put on TV. They're just, they're just rubbish, mate. Yeah, they, 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 they do exactly. That live on the inside that, that know this truth and yeah. that's the reason why I write these books, you know. So you'd say... And I do it, the it, talks that I used to do yeah. I just tell it how it is, mate. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 you know, I've seen I've seen you speak firsthand, mate. So you know, I can attest to that. But uh, we've got a yeah. mutual a mutual acquaintance uh, and a, a mate of mine, Phil Franks, and you know Phil and uh, yeah, Phil, know Phil, Phil, and, yeah. Phil and I would go to lunch <laughs> down at uh, down at the Finger Wharf sometimes, and then we'd get a taxi home and we'd drop in to see uh, uh, Tim Timmy Bristow. Did you know yeah, Tim at all? Oh, yeah, yes, big Timmy yeah, Bristow. Yeah. Oh. yeah, he was a cat character. Wasn't he what? Yeah. Oh, dear, oh, dear. And the yeah, story... But, you know, he was all... You know, I mean, he was a big, tough boy in his day. He was a yeah. young bloke. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, he was a bluffer, mate. You know, he, he just used... He used the gangsters as his, as his tool. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. And uh, most of the blokes that uh, used to work for him used to come to us and ask mm. if they could... Like, uh, I remember one day we were in Balmain and uh, one of them, a bloke called Carl Barnett, who was sort of called the Godfather years ago because of some mafia meeting in Sydney in Double Bay years ago, back in the late 60s or early 70s. Mm. Uh, he brought over one of uh, Timmy Bristow's, you know, henchmen All right. that they yeah. called No Thumbs and uh, he got murdered on the property trying to c c collect uh, yeah, uh, money right. off a bloke. But uh, he um, he came there with him and he said, uh, and he asked permission of me and Stan Smith if he could come into Balmain to collect the money. And I said, well, you can come in and collect it, but you've got to make sure you're on the way out that you drop something in our hands. As, long, as long as there's a drink in it, used to be the uh, same. Otherwise, that, that's exactly how it worked. You yeah. know, that's how. As long as there's a drink in it, I think is the saying. Exactly, uh, <laughs> it's the right word to say. I've, look, I've switched Bodie over to a different microphone, so see if he, he can come in clear with you now, mate. All right, mate. Um, I was kind of interested in the question of your um, I, um, identity. You, you, you mentioned um, um, in a little article that I read um, about your father, um, your real father, um, you know, who was an Indigenous man. Still real 
struggling to okay. he clearly, mate. Okay. He's asking about, um, you know, your original, your real father. He, Bodie was reading an article. And what was the question? Yeah. The, the question is that um, how does he but, feel about his identity as an, um, an Aboriginal person? He, he wanted to know. So, it, yes, it, it, he, he, he was Aboriginal. Uh, he was Indigenous. He came from around around the, uh, it was either the Sutherland Shire or it was up here because my mother and father at the time worked for BHP around the time oh, right. that I was conceived. So, so you know, I'm either a Wabagal or a Wundjigal or whatever from down around the Sutherland Shire way, you know. So I really don't even know my family. I don't know connections to it. So I guess I'm what they call from the lost generation, yeah, right. okay. you know, so I, I really don't know, mate. I've tried to find so, it. So, Graham, what, what does it mean for you that um, to know about your Aboriginality? Uh, say that again. That what mean? does it mean for you to know about your Aboriginality? Your... How did I know? Well, well what, what, what does, what's, the, what's the meaning you give it that you're an Aboriginal man? Still can't hear you properly, mate. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, I'll, I'll try and get can really you close. Just translate it, mate, for me. I, I can't hear. Yes. Um, I, I'm asking, what, what does it mean for you to know about your indigenous um, oh, history? Well, uh, well it's, it's great to know that. You know, it's great to know that. You know, uh, that, that I that I uh, that uh, that I'm from that uh, uh, and from that from that. Um, heritage, you know, because yes, of course. as a kid, as a kid growing up, all my Aboriginal mates that I knocked around with from Redfern and, and all the boys I boxed with and all that, they all, they all related to me as Aboriginal then. How interesting. And yet, and yet I always thought to myself I was adopted or something like that, you know, in my own mind, because no one ever told me anything until I was 65. Wow. You know, so I'm 70 now. My sister told me on my deathbed. Gee. And I, I didn't even really get shocked. But I had a daughter to uh, a, a woman that I was going with when I was about 20 years of age. Yeah. And she now works for the Aboriginal uh, 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 mob out at Campbelltown. Oh, okay. And uh, does a lot of things with families and things like that, helping them. But um, uh, uh, she... That's where I found her. I found her through through the Aboriginal um, uh, adoption agency. You know, I couldn't. I tried to look for her everywhere because they took her off me. They wouldn't let me have her. Okay. Or my mother. Yes. And uh, so she she was adopted out, and then. Um, but that's where I found her. I ran into this Aboriginal girl I knew, and I was in Tamworth Jail at the time, and uh, she came through, and I knew her from being a kid. And I said, what are you doing here? And she said, uh, I, I look after the, I forget the name of it now, the, the mob. Um, but the, they looked at, the, they looked for the kids that, that were, you know, lost generation, stolen generation. Yep, yep. And, and this adoption agency. So I, I asked her about it. I said, can you just check for me? Because it just might be that, you know, she might be in one of those places. I'm, that's exactly where she was. So. Wow. She's just done a DNA test. Yes. And, you know, I know I'm there because the mother was German. 
So okay. when she was born, look, she was as dark as I was when I was born. Yep. And you could just see the curry in her straight away. Wow. And and yet my other children, they, uh, they, they didn't quite inherit the same thing. It started to break down when, when I got married and had other children. Okay. You know? Yes, uh, yes. Sort of lost that. That look a lot, you know. Yeah. Except for me, me kids, me grandkids seem to have it now. They're all gang, you know, skinny legs, flat noses. Oh wow! You wow. know, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it, I mean, everyone identified me. Even me Aboriginal mates used to say to me in prison, like, "You're the only Aboriginal running around, mate. Doesn't know even know you're an Aboriginal." Isn't that isn't that unbelievable? I mean, I just love that yeah. story. That and then um, my nickname was Ado. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. And I mean, uh, you know, not that I, I mean. I mean, some people get offended by that word, and uh, really, it's only to me. It just means still for Aboriginal. So yes, of course, I, I don't really take any offence to it, yes. and, and I never have because it was my nickname. It was better than some of the silly names I give me pride of that. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great um, aspect of your story. Is um, you know. Um, you're already um, seen by others as Aboriginal, um, and um, and and then it came alive for you much later on yeah, in life. That's so, right. Yeah, so that's right. So that's that's a fantastic story. The other thing I was really interested in when you said you're a seer, um, and that your mother taught you the spiritual um, sort of yep. side of life, and I was yeah, fascinated fascinated by that um, that gift yeah, that gift you got that from I've your mum. My daughter has, and um, yes, and dreams that you you obviously have night dreams um, that also are prophetic or contain knowledge for you or teaching. I find that really fascinating. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to dream a lot about snakes. Okay. Yeah. My mother came in one night, and uh, she said to me, "What are you? What are you, What are you screaming about? What are you?" Mm. I said, "I just fell into a massive big pit of snakes." She said, you're going to have a lot of enemies. Wow. And wow, how right she was. Wow. She always taught me about spirit, and she taught me that, and I mean, she was English. How fascinating. You know? Yeah. And yet she taught me this stuff about it, and she said, but don't delve into the bad side of it because her mother used to. And she said, and if you get involved in the bad side of spirit, then, you know, bad things will occur. So... I've always, I've always been in tune with it so much that, you know, I've yeah. even seen them. I've, uh, I've had them touch me. I've wow. had them speak to me. I've had, mate, I've had that many experiences with stuff like that that some people you tell them they look at you like you've got ten heads, like because they've never seen anything like that. So or never experienced that. Or they say, that, you know, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, but I've seen a ghost. I said, well, what do you think a ghost is, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but you know, Graham, I could ha- I, I, I sort of was thinking that um, with those gifts in another life, you could have been a guru, you could have been a teacher, you could have been a coach, a, a mentor, a, yeah, a sort of a, right. a yeah, person, yeah. you know, a person yeah. who um, uh, was was offering people an, a different code to live by or or a, or a more spiritual oh, code for to sure, live by. You, you know, well, it was that, something I was going to do with Glenn Collister at one stage. We're going to okay. go to boys' homes and start. You know, and yeah, yeah, he was yeah. going to do his part, and I was going to do mine. He was going to train them, and uh, how fascinating! All that. And I was going to have a talk to him about not treading down this life. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abso- absolutely. Look, look. The other question that's uh, 
bumbling around in my mind is something about um, jail. Did you ever learn anything in there other than how to actually sort of kind of, um, you know, um, keep true to the sort of criminal code? I mean, I've been working with a guy for four years. Uh, He did 12 years in jail. Um, And it's been a real long journey getting him um, out of that institutionalised sort of place that he found himself in. And I wonder, what was your experience of jail time? And did you learn anything that was helpful in there? Mate, never give me one bit of help in its life. Wow. Um, Okay. You know, uh, look, I mean, I actually did me jail pretty easy, you know, and, and because I had a pretty, you know, strong reputation and, things like that, I seem to breeze through all right. But I always knew you got more bees with honey, you know what I mean? And yeah, so, yeah. you know, if the prison wars were, you know, I'd say to the young blokes, what are you screaming out to the, the, to the prison officer there for the screws, as they used yeah. to be called? Oh, you know, they curl up like, they, if you wanted to get out of a yard, you'd grab hold of the big lock and you'd go, gate up, boss, right? Yeah. And then they'd come over and like, yeah, but some of them would get, open the open gate. And carry on like gooses. Yeah. They say, listen, mate, they're not going to open it. They're just going to keep walking past. So, what's this? I just go, excuse me, boss, you wouldn't mind opening the gate there, would you? And they walk straight over and go, bang, bang. I said, see, you get more booze with honey, mate. Just walk. Yeah, 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 yeah. A good, a good teaching. A good teaching. Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? But, but look, there was a lot of kids I helped in there, a lot of the uh, Aboriginal kids. They all still talk to me now. Uh, mate, Marion is one of them. Like he'd been abused pretty bad in the boys' homes as I was, and mm. and uh, uh, we correspond a lot. And I used to get all those young blokes and try and get them off the heroin, mm. you know. Mm. Mm. And uh, I'm talking about 15 of them, and I teach them wow. relaxation therapies and and things like that. You know, I always did all that sort of stuff for them, and they still thank me today. Send me stuff on Facebook. Yeah, I remember that and remember this you did for me. I can't remember them all, but, you know, they seemed to. Yeah. You know, so I get a bit of pleasure out of that, that, you know, that I tried to help. But, you know, like blokes used to say to me, yeah, but that's a bit of a double-edged sword in your life, mate, because you actually sold the stuff and then you're trying to help them get off it. I go, listen, mate, everyone's got a choice in life. Mm. Everyone Mm. has a choice. You can go home and be drunk as ten men. Mm. and then bash your family up like my father used to do. Mm. I said, he made the choice to do that. I said, what are you going to do, blame the publican or are you going to blame him? Yeah. And yeah. he said, well, you blame him. I said, that's exactly right, mate. So you blame yourself. Yeah. Well, whatever road you take, you blame yourself. You, you know, you're born mm. with choices. Mm. Mm. Take Make the choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, to, to organise crime, it's just another commodity, mate. Mm. Exactly. You know, it, it. You know, I mean, I look at the drugs going around today, that ice and that. And if I was still involved in that life, there's no way in the world I'd have anything to do with that. Yeah, it. it because dis- because I've destroys. seen it. Oh, it's the most destruction. It's just the most destructible drug. That's oh, ever it's been. a disgusting drug. For those that have just joined us uh, here on the Men's Mental Health Show, we've uh, we've got special guest uh, who's just got us on a phone. In fact, you're the first phoning call we've done in the 86 shows, but uh, we're, our guest today is Graham <laughs> Abbo-Henry. Uh, so it's great to break the duck uh, with you, Graham. Mate, talk, talk to us. Uh, just getting back now, I guess, to your book, this one here. You spoke a little bit about A Treacherous Life, um, and you can get hold of your book through a treacherouslife.com. Is that correct? 
That's a, that's exactly right, mate. Yep. Okay. And, and I'll, whoever uh, sends them through, I'll sign them for them. They just got to put their name down. There's a little terrific. little section in there where they put all their details, and uh, I'll sign it off for them and yeah. send it off to them. And and mate, I want to get back. Like you said, you were going to look at doing some stuff with with Glenn Glenn Collis, of course, a former Australian boxing champion and also Indigenous yep. fellow. Uh, he's He's a one of a kind. If, if for those that haven't or don't know Glenn, he's um, an extremely passionate man. He's come on uh, the show. Oh, yeah, I think very passionate. He's just yeah. an incredible sort of a bloke. But also, too, Mark Spinks, who's involved with the Tribal Warrior, which is, does a lot of fundraising um, for the communities uh, around uh, yeah. the, the inner west or the or Sydney, or for, for a lot of um, for a lot of uh, um, uh, what am I talking about? Uh, um, institutions, you know, he raises some good money. And also, too, I spoke to uh, Leon uh, Anderson this morning. Um, he, he's another character. He's, um, he's yeah, one, he's a card, yeah. Isn't he what? <laughs> he's, uh, he's a wonderful guy. And he's actually got a show, uh, Leon, who's also an Aboriginal fellow, uh, coming up at the Avalon in um, in a couple of weeks' time. I did say, so just excuse me, that's going to be at the Avalon on Katoomba Street, Friday the 15th. Um, uh, so get your tickets to that. Uh, that's at the Avalon in Katoomba uh, to see Leon Anderson and these other um, acts on there as well. I think the main headliner is Alda Benet. Mate, so tell us a little bit about your book, uh, uh, Last Man Standing. And, and I guess it is exactly that, which is what I was saying earlier. And, yeah. um, and, and what brought you, I guess, the inspiration behind the writing of this book? Because the book that you wrote before, A Treacherous Life, obviously yeah, well, you were in the middle of it. Now this is at the end of your career or you're retired. Yeah. And, and yeah, but difference. this is virtually, because I had so much of a calling for A Treacherous Life, right. uh, I sold about 35,000 copies and then the ABC bookshops went broke, right? Yeah. So then we took back the rights to it. So this is still that same book, A Treacherous Life, with added chapters at the end of it. So right. as people have passed or something like that, I've added a few things to it. Then I've talked about the organised crime of yesterday to how the organised crime is today, mm. which is, you know, it's a different ball game altogether. And, you know, what they call organised crime today is, you know, I mean, when I was in organised crime, organised crime was like a giant octopus. You had tentacles going out into every part of society, sucking up information of someone and using it against them, like judges. It might be a pedophile judge. Yeah, might be, a, yeah, yeah. you know, all those people so you can utilise them. So mm. we had police help. We mm. paid the police for armed robberies we did. We paid them for all sorts of crimes. So if we got into trouble with a, a punching up federal police or something, we might have to pay a fine, so we call that a fine. So it might cost us thirty thousand, so we go and pay it. So, wow. but we had police, we had, you know, politicians. We had, you know, I, I paid me way out of prison by politicians. That's common knowledge by Rex Bucket Jackson. Um, you know, I had, um, you know, police prosecutors, people in the courts. We had judges, we had magistrates, and these blokes. We used to have. Every three months, we'd have a massive big gathering together at a certain bloke's place in Sydney, and all of these people would turn up there, mate. We'd have police, we'd be singing songs, arm and arm, we'd be, because it was just doing their homework and keeping them sweet, because yeah. we needed them. Yeah. You know, and today, they don't have that. Yeah. You know, 
know, they might have someone who's corrupt on the walk or, you know, and they can sneak some drugs through or something like that, but they don't have... That's why we only had little gangs. We had gangs of 10 or 15, you know. Today they've got gangs of 100. Yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. But they need that for their power, which we didn't because we had the real power. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, no, what's what you mean? It's a completely different ball game today, buddy. Yes. So you're saying that crime was, and the sort of uh, the the um, that the, the police were part of the whole scene, or so it was a systemic sort of situation. Oh, um, it certainly was. It, you it, know? Yeah. Really. So 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 what I'm struck by is just how much we have changed. You know, there is some improvements. Well, if that's you like. all the Royal Commission's done all those sort of things. Yes. And you know, and then my old partner rolling over to the ICAC investigation and then dragging okay. me through the mud. Well I only lasted uh, a minute and a half in the box and was ejected after after they kept me in solitary confinement for two and a half years. They thought I'd turn over and roll over like he did. Well well they got a rude shock. i uh, you know so we you retired in 2010. I've got a good question for you, mate. How yeah. have you found the last 12 years? Hard. And, yeah, I, and I imagine it would be, you know. Is, yeah. is it getting any easier? Are you getting, I guess, a lot of self-satisfaction or, or uh, uh, gratitude mate, from Honestly, from helping to tell others? you the honest truth, mate, I, I think I, because I was so involved in that life all my life, Yeah. I mean, I've still got to leave where I live every now and then just to go down and talk to a couple of scallywags that are still alive. Mm, mm. You know, they mightn't have been gangsters, or but they might have been, you know, professional thieves and yeah, and, uh, yeah. that we knew well. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, I still got to go down and get into that company because mm, mm. I still miss it. You know, it's like a footballer, I guess, when they retire or a boxer. All of a sudden they say, well, right, what am I going to do now? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, and that's how I felt. You know, yeah. when I, I moved away from the city to bring up my kids up here, up around Lake Macquarie, where I am. Yeah. And right. I, I um, you know, I, I just uh, find it so different because the people that I even go and have a drink with down the pub, Mm. You know, they're all workers. You know, yeah. they're not blokes like I used to know. <laughs> mm. You know, and, uh, you know, and we had certain places we'd go to and no one else would come in there. And if yeah. they did, we knew they were a spy. Yeah. So, but uh, I, I get, I get, I guess I get interested in, in um, you know, because of, of what, what I do is, is I feel like I'm giving back a lot, as is Bodie, a lot of his time. And um, when you get to go to, you know, charity nights or you get to do, uh, you know, a, a talk or a speech, um, you know, or coming on radio now and promoting the book, yeah. are, are you enjoying that that side of things? Do you get? Oh, yeah, I don't mind that at all, mate, you know. It uh, gives me something to do and, uh, you know, I always... And, you know, uh, my head is so full of the knowledge of all that life that I'm, you know, I'm willing to share it without without lagging on anyone. You know, I only talk about the dead people. I don't talk about anyone who's alive but, but unless they're doing life imprisonment and not going to get out, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never been a police informer and uh, I'm, I'm probably one of many that wasn't. <laughs> yes. 
Another character I've not spoken about, and I, I'm sorry to sort of bring this in. What about uh, Mark Chopperie? Did you did you know Mark at all, or Chopper? Oh, I knew him, mate, but uh, you know, look, he was a he was he was a bloke that just was a uh, did hideous crimes and yeah, he did, stupid he? crimes, and um, and uh, and was just a silly violent bloke for the sake of violence, mm. and mm. and was also a, a national crime informer, mm. so. Mm. You know, I didn't. I put him on actually one night in a show. Him and Rogerson, right? right. And uh, I owned a club up here in Newcastle, right? And uh, and I I put him on up there one night, and I packed the place out, of course. Yeah. But after the show, I walked out the back room, and he was full of speed. Yeah. And uh, you know, I could tell by his eyes and the way he was talking. And I said, um, I said, mate, that last story you just told, I said that came out of the Goodfellas. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you know, you that just is, made that, that part. Is so That's I funny. said, you've been making them up all night. He said, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, Graham. You know, and he was very good at it. You know, he he, he was a great storyteller. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I know down in Melbourne, when I've been in Melbourne a few times, he's walked past the blokes that I'm with just bit on the ground. They didn't like him. So, you know, a different ball game. That's why when he got out, he went straight to Tasmania and... yeah. And then he got locked up over there. You know, he he, uh, he was a mad, crazy junkie all his life. But, yeah. you know, if he would have gone the other way, the bloke, he, he could have um, uh, been quite a funny comedian. He was mm, quite, mm. quite hilarious. Oh, really. he, was a, he was certainly an entertainer, wasn't he? But he, yeah. you know, but all the stories that he, you know, mm. I mean, I, I read somewhere the other day on the, on the internet, they've got him as about the 10th most dangerous bloke in the world. For killing people like a mass murderer, and then I went, yeah. Are they kidding themselves? He shot one bloke out the front of a nightclub in Melbourne, and, and then, you know, <laughs> but he claimed fame for all these murders. He claimed fame for murders of people and knew what happened to them, and yeah. he knows what happened to Christopher Dale Flannery, and he knows this, and he knows nothing. He just yeah. made them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, mate, listen, uh, I want to thank you uh, so much for coming on, Graham, and uh, I'd, lo I'd love to have you back on. I I I'd really like to do another show. I'm gonna, Bodie wants to ask something first, but I want to do a show or a podcast here one day when you, if by ever you come up to the Blue Mountains uh, uh, with Glenn Collis and, and Leon Anderson, who, who was telling me about your book. He's actually read your book, Leon, which is great. I'm going to get yeah, a copy. Yeah, I'm going to get a copy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, apparently it's the first book he's ever read. So... Uh, <laughs> But but I'm, look, that might not be true as well. I'm just going on what what uh, the people's champion told me. But uh, anyway, yeah. I'll just flick it over to to Bodie. He wants to ask you one last question, mate. All right, mate. Hang on a sec. Thanks, <coughs> thanks, Graham. The, the, That's I, the, all right, mate. Yeah, I guess the que the, the question is uh, uh, is something about your children. Um, I, I'm wondering what it, what is the message? Uh, well, we run a men's mental health show. We're trying to help people who are stuck in addictions, who are stuck in anger, who, who um, um, you know, their lives don't seem to have yep. much in the way of hope and that sort of stuff. Um, and we, we're trying to give them a voice because it's no good just locking people up. It doesn't shift anything. So we uh, want, you know, doesn't do anything, doesn't do anything for, them, for them at all. So no. what, what I'm interested in, given your wide experience, just what advice uh, would you want to... you cut out again. Yeah, what advice have you got for young young men um, who are in a spot of bother to actually help their growing up? 
Oh, mate, as I always say, even to my young bloke, like my grandchildren, you know, yep. I just say, you've got to remember one thing, mate. You're the master of your own mind. Yep. You're the only one who thinks in it. You're the only one. And you, what you think, you'll create in your life, you know? Yep. Like, I think that's the best message you can ever tell anyone. I wish someone would have told me that as a kid. Absolutely, but, you know, absolutely. Because I created my life in my mind when I when I was go- I knew where I was going, you know, and yeah. uh, you know, and I had yet I had so many other talents, and it's like like you, you look at all the kids that you see in the prison system, and the boys, and they've got the best talent, the best footballers, they're the best painters, they yeah, they can do metal work, they can do they're, they're as smart as wit, some of them, you know, and yet. Mm. Yet they've just decided to throw themselves into the world of the, you know, mm. taking the drugs and snubbing, being one of the boys. Well, mm. that, that was one thing that I, I always did as a kid. I was just my own man. And I always said no. Yeah. All of my mates got on the heroin, yeah. you know, and grew up and I was the only one. And they used to bag me for it. Oh, come on, have a go at it, yeah. mate. You know, yeah. I'd go, no yeah. thanks. You know. Yeah, I but smoked it, it a is... little bit of pot as a kid, yeah. and 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 that, but yeah. uh, uh, that was it. Yeah, you know. No, good on you, mate. That's I can't imagine. You know the the, the strength that must have taken to be able to do that. You know, like I've had my problems with uh, well, I just, substance I was a and bit alcohol, of a, so. I guess I was a bit of a control freak too. You know, and yeah. I like to be in control of my own life. I yeah, don't want that's right. I in control of it. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. some bad habit of being a, you know, an alcoholic. Uh, yeah. Like I've got a mate who played for Australia in Balmain. But, you know, I won't mm. say his name good, mm. but but he 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 just finished like doing thirteen years in prison. He got mm. involved. He he was a crook on yeah. the slide when he left the rugby league world mm. and mm. a very well known player. Mm. But uh, he, he served thirteen years. He come out and, and he said. I, you know, and we go out and we might have a drink, and then I ring him three days later. He's still on it, mm, and I, mm, mm, I just yeah, say, I'll mate. He said, I can't get off it, mate. Mm. I said, mate, of course you can. Mm. You know, and I say the same thing to him. You're the master of your own mind, mate. You mm. just say it's a time. Go home. Mm. You know, mm. I know that's a bit hard when you're over the limit, mm. but the next day you can say it to yourself when you mm. so. He's been doing it lately, and now he's got a job. Mm. You know, he's mm. working in a hotel. He's going terrific. Mm. And he, mm. he might break out one day a week and, and have a little bit of a lash, you know. But, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, you can still have a drink and uh, enjoy your life without being a friggin' lash, Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk further about that in a few weeks' time with uh, Leon Spinksy Anderson uh, addictions and um, yeah, that's and, right. And, and triggers. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it, you know, I've, it's something that I've I've struggled with uh, years ago, and it, it, yeah, you know, was a main contributor to the breakdown of my marriage. But but I want, I just want to say uh, a goodbye to you, mate, and and thank you so that's much right. for giving us your time today. Graham, not a problem um, you know, at all, mate. You're an absolute legend, and it's uh, yeah, it's very grateful here on the Men's Mental Health Show, and love to have you back again sometime. We'll just uh, name the book again. It's called Last Man Standing. Um, it's it's a continuation of a treacherous life. Uh, you can get a copy of the book uh, on www.atreacheruslife.com, um, and uh, and just uh, yeah, Graham, thanks, mate. Uh, no problem, mate. Not at all. Any time, mate. 
All right. I look give forward to seeing you. Give us a call, boys, any time. I'm quite willing to talk any time, mate. Yeah, good on you, mate. All right. Well, hopefully I'll get you on there with Glenn and or with Leon. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk in a couple of months' time, mate. Or I might see you on the yeah, tribe, no Tribal problem. Warrior again. Yeah, all right, no, mate. Yeah, no problem, buddy. Thanks so much, guys. All right, boys. All the best. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye-bye. Man. See you, boys. Bye, mate. Uh, what about that, Bodes? Um, you know, to have someone, I guess, uh, you know, of the stature of uh, such a a different life to what most people would live. Um, we do, as, uh, as, as, as a people, find fascinating, isn't it, that we, we sort of get gripped by uh, the life that people such as Graham Abba Henry lived. Yep. Um, it's some, and, and, and to some extent, it is inspiring to see someone that can change, um, and, but also admit um, the hard doings of his life have, are paying now with you know his recovery or being out of that life you know so he's been 12 years out of since he's retired and and he finds it hard and, he, and difficult every day look i that, that was fascinating to hear you know that he uh um, still has to actually um, reconnect to the world that he knew of and i think that's something about identity isn't it that when you've had an experience like uh what Graham talks about, um, um, you, you never shared it. It is always part of your history. And I guess that he's kind of um, in, rem, is reminded, if you like, of his early, early of, of that dense history that he's had. Um, I, I mean, I love that idea that you're the master of your own mind um, and you create your own reality. Um, I mean, they are powerful words and it is true. Um, that were shaped by forces, and no doubt in Graham's mind, uh, journey, the stepfather's um, stuckness, his violence, his um, attacks on his mother, all that sort of stuff, sort of shaped for Graham a life, um, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it created his, his new beginning, if you like. I mean, he, he's a talented man who could have gone in any direction other than the one that he went into. So that's, re- that's interesting. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful story. I, I guess things have changed too. too that uh, you know that crime history that yeah. uh, New South Wales had. Um, you know, t- to an, to an extent, the crime now is actually more in terms of the advantage that certain people in power have around trading information and that sort of stuff. You know. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I mean, you I know, I mean, I think a lot of it's to do with the fact that uh, you know. Uh, the law is straightened. It's not so bent. Was it's not so, it's not bent. As it's much. not as bent to the extent yeah. that it was. For mm. absolutely mm. real, um, but uh, um, yeah, you know, I guess if, if young people who are, are sort of stuck in their world and, are, and you know what Graham was saying, the young people I see, young Aboriginal people I see, they're so talented. Where's the context in which their talent? can be fostered and grown so that they become leaders in their own right. I mean, that's the big question here. Um, And um, we kind of give up on our imagination and on the realisation of the the, the power that we have got to make a difference. And, um, you know, I look forward to reading the book that Graham's written because he tells a story about what's possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I just want to touch on, on what you said about that, you know, for, for, for uh, the Aboriginal community, how, how hard a life a lot of um, uh, friends of mine, the Aboriginal, ha- that have come from. But the adversity uh, that gives them so much 
strength to inspire is, you know, that, that sets back way 40,000 years, you know, yeah, of, of them learning to, to teach, to share story. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just, I don't know, I, I, I just, uh, you know, some people might, mightn't agree, um, you know, perhaps of, of, of who Graham is or what he stands for, but, but the fact of the matter is it, it is what he has done, but what it's, it's what he is doing now that is the, the you know, the, the beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. The story of recovery, this, the, 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 you know, the prodigal story of coming back and actually saying um, there is another way. Um, and, and, and that story of identity, you know, I mean, that's just a powerful story. I know when you don't know who you are, other people know about who you are, but when you don't know who you are, mm. you kind of gravitate towards a mob that look after you. And he found a mob in, in his network, um, yeah. clearly, yeah? <laughs> Um, if he had an identity clarified before that, he may have actually had an entirely different life. Yeah. yeah so, you yeah. know, th what's beautiful is that recovery of story and identity um, and his um, uh, second sight, that seer stuff is really... Absolutely. Really, um, you know... Spiritual background, yeah. Yeah, uh, is a key aspect uh, to, to Graham's story. And that's the sort of thing that we need to be uh, yeah. addressing, yeah. not focusing on his offending history yeah. per se, because that's actually just part... That's an old story. Yeah. But it's the new story that's really mm. empowering, if you like. Mm. And we're all in new story. I mean, that's the kind of yeah. crazy thing about all of this mm. is that we're all in reinventing ourselves mm. and yearning and striving for a mm. richer and more denser understanding mm. of ourselves, mm. and that's what we need to be paying attention to. Yeah. Not the old I, story. I, I, that's really beautifully put, mate. Um, uh, you know, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, what, what, I mean, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but what I, I guess I wanted to finish on with, with what I sort of got out of it, and, it, and it's something that... I guess particularly in the last six months that we're looking at doing on this show is, and, and that's become because of your big influence here of becoming better as a man or better as men, what we can do better as men. And just hearing him aim up and he, he didn't put any blame. I mean, he told us a bit about his, his childhood, uh, but, you know, he didn't turn to addictions. And that, the percentage of that, I guess, in alcohol must be very, very low in the sense of, um, you know, if you had 10 blokes that had an upbringing like his, a lot of them would be in jail or, or with a substance abuse or, or dead. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that's massive. Uh, and that's oh, ab ab absolutely. Yeah. Writing yourself off is... Yeah. is uh, He's aiming up. Yeah, is, yeah. And, and he, and, and, you know, Graham was saying is that I, I had a big thing about control and I wanted, to I wanted to be able to know what I was doing at any given moment and not obliterated by drugs. Mm. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a clarity of mind. That's, a, you know, that's a, uh, that's a testament to his realisations um, and um, if more and more people uh, stepped away from their addictions, yeah. um, I think we would have a high, a, 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 an empowered and exceptional Australia. Mm. 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 Yeah. yeah. So getting no, better yeah. at being ourselves, yeah. um, you know, it, it, um, yeah, all power to that. Yeah, well said. Well, mate, uh, we're going to just do the hour today. Uh, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, big thanks to Graham Abo Henry. Get a copy of his book uh, on www.treacherouslife.com. Uh, the book is called Last Man Standing, and it was an absolute privilege and honour to have the man on the show and share his story. 
but folks, thank you, mate. Um, we're going to take a break. We're not going to be here for a while. You're off to New Zealand uh, taking the bride, Annette. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm off to New Zealand to actually uh, uh, regain my Kiwi accent and um, <laughs> chew the fat with a few, uh, a few, a few mates of much loved Woody. Uh, people in my life. Yeah. Woody, uh, Robin Woodsford, um, and a new relationship I'm forging with Mike. Lillian, um, yeah, it's uh, these people in my life are precious to me, um, including Brad, um, because they they enrich my life. Um, one of the things I'm kind of uh, part of my mission is to recover in New Zealand that part of me that was happy-go-lucky and new joy. Yeah, um, I've, I've, I've become too serious um, yeah. in a sense in terms of my professional life. So I'm on a bit of a mission to recover that happy-go-lucky part of me Wonderful. and bring that back into the show. Good on you. Well, we'll be back in uh, three weeks' time, I believe, uh, or thereabouts, uh, and I think we're going to have our first guest is Leon Anderson, actually, another uh, Indigenous Aboriginal fella, uh, a good mate of mine. He is one funny, funny man. Uh, so uh, don't forget uh, he's playing at the Avalon on the 15th. Get your tickets there. And we'll see you in three weeks' time on the Men's Mental Health Show. Thanks very much.